G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. You may have even been one of those who had the opportunity of attending one of the Marriage and Money Tour live workshops over this past fortnight. Well, today we're coming back around the biggest and most important questions emerging from the tour events. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't also take your questions today. We will open our talkback lines very shortly. The tour has been very timely in the current economic environment where lots of marriages have been experiencing stress and conflict over money as cost of living pressures begin to bite. We have brought back the experts today in marriage and money. Brett and Kate Ryan, who lead Focus on the Family Australia, and Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. Brett and Kate, a special welcome back to you. Thank it's you. It's a pleasure. And a welcome back to you, Alex. Back to you, Alex. Thanks, Neil. Thanks, Great to be back again. Now, there might be a little bit of an echo that listeners might hear. We've got our tech team working on that, but I don't think it's going to upset our conversation as we go. Let me just get a bit of an impression uh, from you, Brett Ryan. Uh, Focus on the family. You've had the marriage and money tour. Have you got a bit of a reflection on how those dates went over these past couple of weeks? Well, there's a couple of things. One is we have been overwhelmed with the positive feedback of those who have attended and even those who have watched the, the webinar last week. And they're just saying, we need more of this. We, we, we know more people that should have come, attended or listened or watched those, uh, those uh, events. And then we've also seen the other end where people are just quite apathetic that they just don't want to improve the health and well-being of their relationship or don't want to improve the way that they manage their finances. And so we've seen the the, the positivity and then the, the lack of drive and just that complacency that is unfortunately alive and well in our society today. Alex Cook, your impression here, because if people are a little apathetic on this one hand around marriage and relationships, are they apathetic too around money, do you think? Money, do you think? Oh, look, I think that's very much the case. Whilst there's a lot of uh, fear and concern about where things may be going, I think when it comes to money, the, the common theme I've seen, and this is just not over this event, but just in general, is people tend to defer it you know they push it into the future in fact the example i always give is that the average person that comes to see me is usually 55 whereas really you need to be getting financial advice when you're 25 so it's the same sort of thing i think there's a complacency and we tend to push these things into the future and think i'll worry about it later now, interestingly, neither of you, all three, are ancient of days. Uh, you are a young-looking set. Uh, but it's exactly interesting. Right. We should, we should just, <laughs> you you take that compliment well. well. 
All right, well, let me just massage you, yeah, massaging your ego a little bit here. But the interesting thing is what Alex says and, and you know, talking about older people tend to be interested in marriage and money, young younger people not. How do you make marriage and money exciting for young people? Kate, let me bring you in here. Actually, it, that's, a, that's a really good question. Getting excited about your marriage is, uh, I think, a number one thing. So what happens is, you know, when they're young, they, they're they all passionate and isn't this wonderful and they're so excited. But then reality hits because life is full of reality, um, whether it's financial, marriage, you know, all of a sudden your things from your background start coming up and then it's the reality check. And so we wanted to encourage young people. In fact, we were very excited down in Geelong um, to see a lot of young couples yeah. Yeah. there and and – even talking to them afterwards about how well they were doing and they just had a, a one thing here or there that they wanted to tweak. And I think that's what we need to look at, just the one thing here or there that we can change to send on a different trajectory. Being starry-eyed around marriage, starry-eyed around money too, Alex, bringing you back in here, starry-eyed around money, lots of things can go wrong with your financial life. If you had that little bit of great advice that we all wish we had when we were, you know, a lot younger, uh, this is the sort of thing that somehow or other you've got to be able to frame for younger people. Perhaps listeners to our conversation today, older ones training the younger ones, need to catch some, you know, some uh, inspiration about passing on some wisdom. Some wisdom. Well, look, I mean, I think the, the younger you start with both of these things, the greater the rewards down the track. You know, the sooner you can get both the finances right, but also uh, your, your marriage, you're setting yourself up for a much more uh, joyous life. Now, life will have, you know, things along the way, hardships and so forth. Uh, but if you put the right building blocks in place, both in terms of how you relate as a couple, but also how you handle money, you're setting yourself up for so much, uh, much, much easier uh, than having to learn tough lessons down the track. So I encourage people to start as young as you possibly can. And of course, the great example when it comes to things like saving, the younger you start, the better you'll benefit from compound interest, you know, 5, 10, 20 years down the track. So yeah, start young and get, uh, get inspired to get great results. Uh, Brett, that young people tend to have this money and it seems to be, I'll just spend it. And they're not looking down the future. They're not looking down the, um, you know, five to 10 years. And as Kate, as, uh, as Kate was saying, a bit starry-eyed at the beginning. And they go, oh, look at all this money. We've got two incomes. Let's just spend it. Let's go on holidays. Let's buy the latest and greatest. And they're forgetting that, you know, the things could happen to them that may get in the way of achieving their goals that they would want to do. Uh, let's just say in the beginning of a conversation like this that I imagine the lifelong marriage living in some level of marital bliss might be the aim that every single person who gets married might have. And we might add to that, uh, avoiding some of the traps financially, not getting uh, you know mired in debt and having uh, being a slave to the lender, all those sorts of things, having a life where we can afford to do the things that we are feeling though as though we are called to do. Hey, uh, Brett, you've been collating some of the biggest and best questions. Let us in on what sort of what sort of fields people were talking about during these past couple of weeks? Yeah, we've had a number of questions, and it's been 
we've been really pleased that people are actually saying, hey, I need some assistance in this particular area. And so I've broken it up into a four different themes. One is how to get on the same page when it comes to not only your finances, but how you get on the same page within your marriage. Um, some quick tips or some ways of managing your finances when things are tight, and we know that things are much tighter. Um, what are the, the common areas where there's conflict within a relationship and what you can do about it? And then there's been a number of people have asked about uh, how you continue to be generous. Uh, do you continue to give to the church? We can talk about tithing. And then how do we really trust in God when in reality, sometimes we'd like to trust our own wisdom and we forget that God is, it's his money and we are stewards of that finances. Okay, we've got a list of questions here. Uh, it's longer than we'll get through, and there might be listeners today who want to contribute with a question. But let's start with a question here from that first field of questions that you mentioned. You know, how do I get on the same page within my marriage, not just in finances? Uh, a question here, lately, I don't feel valued loved, appreciated, and financially safe in our marriage. I'm now stressed. What must I do? Should I see divorce as an option? One of the key questions, and perhaps if I come to you, Kate. Kate. Yeah, look, it's an awful position to sit in, obviously, if you're not. Um, but what I want to suggest is it comes down to communicating that. Um, we, we talk about having those conversations and those conversations are the tough ones where you get to sit and talk about how you actually feel. No one can diminish or take away from you how you feel, uh, but we do need to be able to talk about it in a safe environment. And we talk about setting up a good environment to do that. You don't approach these kind of things late at night or when someone just gets home from work. Set a time to actually be able to sit together and talk about it. And um, the aim is to not do any harm to either of you um, in those kind of conversations. I've got to say, stress at no point is going to help you. Anxiety doesn't add one thing in terms of being anxious over it. Um, and going to God is, if you know, if you have a faith, he is the one who understands you the best. Um and we don't like to put the word divorce in any kind of a conversation unless it is around abuse um, or infidelity. And even then, um, God is in the business of restoration. Um, you know, God talks about marriage for life, um, but we're not saying if you feel unsafe physically or mentally, um, then you stay. But... You know, I just, I ask that you, if you're able to set a time aside, set time aside for a conversation that is clearly going to be a difficult one for you because you've got a lot there. And you obviously need to get some help as well. In yeah. this situation, this this person who's contacting uh, and asking this question, they're overwhelmed and they're not mm. coping. So they may need to have individual counselling yeah. to give some strategies for themselves and then ideally to go together as a couple. Um, but if one person's checked out, it makes it very, very difficult. But um, you know, taking it out as an option, that divorce is an option, just because you don't feel the love and appreciate it. There are many people in that situation, but uh, the financial safety 
is another aspect, and we can't put it all down to one thing. This is a bigger, bigger issue, mm. and uh, and I think it's very, very important not to do this in isolation. Yes. To do get other people that you trust that are wise and are godly, and maybe speak to your pastor or speak to a counselor mm. and get the right help. Yes. Uh, let me bring Alex Cook in here because this is a very, very important one. I think not to move on to from too quickly. Uh, the feeling of being financially safe, Alex. My suspicion is uh, that's not as much to do with having a little bit of money in the bank or a lot of money in the bank. You can have a lot of money in the bank and feel unsafe as well. What are your thoughts around how you feel financially safe in your marriage? And I've got two people in the the equation here. Any thoughts? Alex Cook. Cook. Yeah, look, Neil, it's a great question in terms of how do you feel safe. And I think, in fact, I had... (laughs) some clients uh, that were worth $10 million and I'll never forget the wife telling me uh, that she felt uncomfortable and just wish she'd had another $5 million more. And uh, <laughs> it was hard. To, it was a hard thing to hear at the time. He's thinking, how much more do you need to feel safe? Um, but so, as you rightly say, it doesn't matter how much you have, you can still feel safe or unsafe. To me, what I'd encourage people to lean into here is is to God, but with the particular understanding that God is a provider, you know, he's Jehovah Jireh, and he can meet our needs, uh, that God is trustworthy, and that God cares for us, and that he does have a plan, and that he will help us through. So I think having that perspective and understanding of who God is, his character, what he's like, and that his love for you is uh, more than we can imagine, is a really important starting point. And then the second thing to that, because that's the spiritual side, if you like, but then you need to take, obviously, the practical things to reduce those fears. In other words, to try and regain a, a sense of control over your finances. So I think those two things are very, very important. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. This is 2020 on Vision. Well, our special guests, Brett and Kate Ryan, who lead Focus on the Family Australia, and Alex Cook, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. Let's come to another one of these questions, and I'll bring this one to uh, you, I think, um, uh, Brett and Kate. Out of the third field that you recognise, some common areas that cause conflict uh, within a marriage and what to do about it. Here was the question. My husband makes financial decisions and purchases without my input. He works full time. I'm casual and stay at a stay at home mum. He believes he's entitled as he earns more. Help. Uh, let me uh, yeah, give us some insight here and let's start uh, perhaps coming uh, to you first, Brett. First, Brett. Well, it's a, it's a challenge that's not isolated to this one particular person. We've had a number of people who have asked this question mm-hmm. and they talk about this is my money and uh, and I earn it, therefore it's my control. And especially if there's a stay-at-home person and that stay-at-home person feels like, well, they don't have any say, um, we have to change the language. And the ideal is that it's ours, not mine. And if you want to add another layer to that, it's actually God's money and we have the privilege of stewarding this money. And so we have to change the, the mindset. And especially if one person's staying home looking after the children, it's not just your child, it's our child. And we're doing this together. 
lifestyle. One person's going out to earn the money, the other person's staying home to actually create and um, invest in your children or your child together. And so it's important to actually express, and again, Kate already mentioned this earlier about setting up for success um, to have those conversations. And we encourage people to have date nights and and uh, there's sometimes it's about administration and, and talking about the kids and also talking about your finances. But in this situation, it's talking about how you feel. I feel that I'm not I'm not valuable. I feel that you're not listening to the, to me. I feel that uh, you're not you're taking me for granted, or I'm feeling unappreciated. And um, and then they can't take away how you feel. And then you can actually ask them, how do you think we can work together to actually change these feelings? To actually, and they might say, well, you're overreacting, or you know, calm down, which never ever ever works. But I think it's vitally important to actually get to the point where you, it is our money, and we want to make the decisions together. Alex Cook, let me bring you in on this because the thought that you know you you've got uh, you know a sense of entitlement. Uh, one partner earns more than the other. Uh, how do you advise people when you've got this imbalance and when money is power, then you've got a, a source of conflict, haven't you? Absolutely. Look, I think Brett hit it on the head at the start when he mentioned. I mean, we've got to get rid of the his and hers. And we need to come together on the basis that it's actually God's money. So ultimately, we'll all stand before God and have to give an account of how we've used the resources uh, that he's entrusted to us, whether it's our time, our talent or our treasure. And so as a couple, I think the thing that can take huge pressure off is removing the his and her element and making actually, you know what, together we are called to look after what God has entrusted us. It's the fact that one earns uh, money and the other one doesn't necessarily is completely beside the point. We've got to sh- with the resources when you when two become one, uh, we they are shared resources, a shared responsibility, and we have to work on it together for the glory of God. And so it, it needs an attitudinal change, I think, um, in order to to resolve. Now that may be a journey, and of course. Uh, the reality is husband and wife may be not quite on the same page in terms of spiritual maturity and so forth. So that's a challenge in and of itself. Um, but ultimately, we need to come to the perspective, actually, you know what, we're doing it for God. Well, I want to encourage listeners, our talkback line is open, 1-800-316-316. You can hear the sort of pretty serious stuff that's come out in the questions on the Marriage and Money Tour. So you might have your own question to ask today, 1-800-316-316. Our talkback line is open. Our special guests, Brett and Kate Ryan, who lead Focus on the Family Australia. Alex Cook is also with us, the founder of Wealth with Purpose. We've got Brett and Kate uh, with us from Melbourne today. Alex is in Sydney. And our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. Let's come back to another marriage-oriented question here. Uh, Here's the question that was one of those big ones. What if one won't compromise on their spending habits and thinks there's nothing wrong with it? Spending more on branded goods due to better quality. Um, If I come to Kate here, Kate, what are your thoughts for this question? It's actually a really difficult one because if one is totally seeing that they are not in the wrong, you actually cannot change their mind. Uh, prayer 
is the only thing that will change their mind. I mean, you can sit and talk about the impact that it's having um, on you or maybe your finances or the family or whatever, but you can't change their mind. Yeah. Uh, you can have a, an influence on what's been going on, but, you know, that is a real prayer point. If somebody's dug in and thinks that they're right, um, then you actually physically cannot change their mind. The Holy Spirit is the only one who can convict and challenge. My suspicion is uh, this is where you've got to be getting on the same page, working together. Uh, Brett Ryan, uh, the thought where what happens in your marriage, what you do together in your discussion around finances, this is how you get on the same page. If you don't ever talk about these things, uh, even in a fun way, uh, you're never going to be on the same page. That's correct, and and that's why we encourage couples when they're just dating and thinking about marriage is to look at your family of origin, your backgrounds. But once you've married, you still have to have and reflect upon your family of origin. We've all got uh, different experiences, what we observe from our parents and how they handled finances and how they handled conflict, how they handled communication, how they were demonstrative. Family of origin has a very big part to play. But then it's your own personal experiences and understanding your own money story and uh, how you see it. Sometimes people have been uh, in, a, in a situation where they felt unsafe because uh, they weren't in control of their finances because there was very little. So when they had it, they controlled it completely. And so from a point of view of getting on the same page, understanding your own money story and then actually seeing it from your spouse's perspective, their money story. And when you see that, you go, oh, that's that's the way you act. That's the reason why. Ah, oh, now I understand. We can start working on that and b- make it a building block to actually work on the way that we communicate, seeing it from the other person's per- point of view Gave, gives you a, a wider perspective, but it gives you an opportunity to have empathy of what the other person's feeling and why they're acting the way they are. Now, in a time like this, people are getting hot under the collar. The cost of living is rising. The mortgage is going up. The energy prices, the fuel at the petrol pump. All of these things are contributing now, and there'll be some who might be thinking, we've never had to deal with this before. We've always had enough to go around. Now, all of a sudden, the pressure is on. Is there a crisis that you can actually turn things into something fabulous here? Um, Kate, your thoughts here on, on making the change? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. If you work together in moments of crisis and are prepared to do that in a healthy way, then you will come out so much stronger on the other side. Yeah. Um, particularly if you've got a faith and you both press in together and into God, then you come out the other side and you, you've built spiritual muscle. Um, and it, even just learning how to prepare and live with less. Um, you know, I, I do remember Brett and I once sitting and talking and we decided to invest in a property. And we did it with friends and we made a decision right from the word go that we would not um, let anything financial f- um, damage a friendship. Didn't matter what happened. Um, as it turned out, it didn't go well, um, but it, we said it would not damage our friendship. But in the process of all that, we learned to live on less because we were getting no rent, nothing back on our return of purchasing this thing uh, because it all fell in a big hole. But the thing was, is we learned to live on less and we sat there and went, 
what a great experience. Like, whilst it was still a really tough experience for us, we went, boy, did we learn a lot and now we've realised we can live on less and bless more. Alex Cook, only a, a couple of minutes or less out to news. Friendship or adversary? Uh <laughs> We all know that friendship works best here, I think, but uh, some people are adversaries within their marriage around money. Yeah. What do you say to people? Well, look, no, absolutely. I think listening to what Kate was saying then, friendship is the, the critical thing. But also I would add the dimension, and, and sort of Kate was alluding to it with Living on Less, is the need to find contentment together because there are seasons in life when you may have an abundance and there may be seasons when you have little. And Jesus said, life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. That's not what life is about. Life is about uh, relationships, you know, uh, our, uh, the vertical one and, the hor- and then with God and then the horizontal ones with those around us. That's what's important. And those things provide enormous contentment when we focus on those. And they're not money related. That, you know, you can have great satisfaction, great joy, even in times of lack. And so even though we are moving to challenging times and people may not feel comfortable with what they've got, the reality is we can still find great joy when we learn contentment. You know, Apostle Paul said that's something we need to learn. You know, you've got to learn how to be content. And that can bring you closer together as a couple too, as you learn to find you know, new and innovative and cheaper ways of doing things. Contentment, I think, is key. Let me come to some practical things. And perhaps, you know, with rising costs of living, um, things that we might have to do without. There were a lot of questions around these sorts of things. Uh, Brett Ryan, how do you think uh, that questions you've fielded, uh, questions you've responded to, how much were people saying, give me some practical insights? Yeah, there was a a numerous number. And uh, some of them were... Couples that had been got children and they were talking about school fees. They're also talking about trying to provide an opportunity for their kids. They want what's best for their children and they wanted to do that job well. And I commend them for wanting to do that. Um, but I think it was important that time is short and uh, and some some of them were saying, I need to go and work more. I need to go and do more investing into the fam, uh, in, into the making more money. And we continue to remind them that your children are only going to be young for a short period of time to make the most of every opportunity. And it's not the stuff that's important. It's actually those memories. And it could be that they may not have to do as many sporting activities. It may mean that they don't have as many streaming services. Uh, it may not... It may mean that they can't have the latest and greatest toys, and and but children will remember the the opportunities that mom or dad had with them, and that's going to last them a lifetime. Mm. Alex Cook, come to this practical issue for us too. Uh, you know, it's not easy, is it, when you are in a marriage, uh, you have children. Uh, things are tightening uh, week by week. The thought, I've got to go without something. We don't like the thought of going without those little luxuries that we've enjoyed. And I know, just to pick up on one that Brett mentioned there, school fees, because you might be thinking as a Christian parent, I've got my kids in a Christian school, and that's you know comes sometimes with a hefty price tag. What are your thoughts around some practical things? What can you do without, and perhaps even on this issue of school fees? Yeah, well, the, the kids' one's a, a huge one. You know, 
a lot of uh, Christians are obviously very concerned about the direction our society is heading in, and so they immediately think, let's go the Christian education path because, you know, we want them in that sort of more nurturing environment. And secular people actually feel the same way. The demand for private schooling is going through the roof at the moment for this very reason. Um, however, for some of us, we won't be able to afford it, so it's just not an option. And for others, it's going to put the family under enormous pressure. I think Brett touched on the issue that time is the key thing your kids need, not stuff. And so that's really important. But I would go one step further in the sense that a lot of Christian parents, I think, uh, from what I'm witnessing, seem to want to outsource parenting. So we put the kids into the church youth group, we put them into um, Christian school, etc. But then we don't spend the time with them actually discipling them ourselves through the, the time and the conversations. And look, there's lots of little things you can do. But the point is the school, um, whether they go secular, or, you know, public school or private school, the ultimate responsibility for the development of your child, particularly spiritual development and leading to, to Christ, is, is you as the parent and, and walking with them on that journey. And, and that doesn't have really much to do with money at all. Yes, the school may assist a little bit. Yes, the church may assist a little bit. But ultimately, it's not a money issue. It's a parent discipling issue. So um, that's the challenge. Kate Ryan, uh, mothers or fathers uh, concerned about their kids education, uh, what sort of extra little luxuries they're affording that might need to be cut back. Uh, give us an insight as a mother and uh, when you're thinking about marriage here, about cutting back, uh, because really you've got to be on the same page, uh, going back to what we've been talking about, otherwise these things are going to create even more conflict, aren't they? Aren't they? Well, of course, yes. <laughs> and it, look, it's good to talk about these things before they happen. You know, sometimes we just move from crisis to crisis without actually sitting down and talking about, how, you know, we have expectations that one of the worst things we live with are unfulfilled expectations uh, because we're not prepared to look outside of the box. Uh, um, I know that Brett and I planned that our children would go all the way through Christian school, um, the same Christian school, and it started that way. It did not finish that way. We ended one up in a, in a government, uh, sorry, two in a government school and one in a private, in a Christian school. And so, you know, you've just got to be prepared to talk about it because things come up. Yep. Things come up that you may not have expected. And so our initial plan changed wildly. But as, as things came up, Brett and I talked about them. You know, this, is, this was our ideal. This is what happened. But, you know, as Alex was saying, we have first voice privilege in, a, in our children's lives. And so we shouldn't take that for granted. And regardless of the school, going to a Christian school will not make your child a Christian. Mm. Going to church will not make your child a Christian. It's how we disciple our children around that. What kind of example are we setting in our faith? Um, are we hypocritical or are we really demonstrating our love for Christ and for others? Uh, Brett Ryan, coming to you, and this is family, uh, marriage and finance all in one. Uh, some might be thinking, well, we are under this stress, this pressure about our kids, say, being in the private school. We're hopeful that this time of economic tightness might blow over. Uh, how much do you think you dig in for the long haul, make the sacrifices necessary to try and afford the things that you feel like you need as parents and as as a family, 
uh, and and with this thought that you know maybe things will be on the improve in the very near future. Well, that's what we all hope for, but we have to plan for the best and actually plan for the worst, and we have a, that balance. Um, during the conferences and the seminars and the webinars that we've done with Alex, he's talking about, you know, insurance, for example. You know, you've got to not plan for the likelihood of it happening to you, but you've got to plan for what would happen if something happened to you. So when we're talking about managing your finances, it's not just the here and now and just getting through it. It's actually planning ahead, having some money, putting aside for the future, planning uh, for covering yourself if the worst thing happened to you, like a, you know, an accident or, or even uh, heaven, you know, help anyone who's gone through this, that loss of a spouse, what would happen to your family if something happened to you? And then on the other side of things, you actually say, well, we, we can still do things together as a family. We can still have fun. We, we don't have to be so focused and fearful we have to lean into one another and lean into God despite our current circumstances. But at the same time, we need to still be practical and realistic about what happens if things go really bad and what happens if you know things improve. Am I going to go, oh, well, money's back in the, you know, in the system again? As Kate was sharing before, you know, we lived beneath our means. We, we actually uh, learned that we could live with less. And then we planned, once we had more money back in it, we said, well, we don't need all that stuff now. So we can actually still put aside for the rainy day. And I think, too, we don't want to encourage people to do knee-jerk reactions. That's why we need to sit and plan. Um, even if things are a little bit tight now, just go, okay, well, if things get a lot tight, then perhaps this is a, a move we can make. Um, right now we're okay. It's tight, but we can do it. It's not affecting us greatly. But if it does move even further and it gets tighter, well, then this is our new plan. Um, and sitting down and talking about that now. And I think Alex has got some point about the mortgage stress. Yeah. Alex, uh- We'll come back to mortgage stress. Uh, Stay with this for just a moment, though. Uh, Things getting tight. Um, The thought that so many people don't have even an idea what's coming in, uh, what's going out, somehow or other, that's got to be part of a practical response to all of this too, hasn't it? And uh, we don't like getting complicated about these things, but some sort of a self-assessment idea about where you are going so that you can actually make some plans. Any thoughts here? Yeah, absolutely. As you say, um, money coming in versus money going out. So this is what I call your spending plan. Uh, And what we want to know here is what are all of our sources of income, whether it's our wage, maybe a bit of settling, all these kind of things, versus how much is going out in terms of our expenses. And that could be our rent, our mortgage, it could be our... um, uh, you know, education fees, all these sort of things. And the key here is that we ultimately need a surplus and we need to make sure that our expenses are lower than what's coming in. Uh, in other words, we need to learn to live beneath our means. Um, and I like to give people a really simple formula for these things. To, to make, we call it the 10 10 rule. And that is what I call the first 10% is giving to God. Second 10% is for long-term savings. So that could be saving for the kids' education that we've just talked about. Um, And then try and live on 80% or under. Now, maybe you're in a situation where you don't yet have kids, so you can save more than that. 
when kids come along, things tighten, but then you can draw down on your savings to use to pay towards school fees and other things. So um, the, the planning, as Kate was saying, planning is everything. I think they call it the five P's. Proper planning prevents poor performance, I think is what they call it. Um, so it makes so, a big difference. Uh, initially, doing a very simple assessment, and I imagine you can complicate things as much as you want to in all of that, about how you get down to how you manage every cent, but you could do a sort of an overall, make sure that what's coming in uh, is just a little more than what's going out. Let's come back to Brett and Kate Ryan from Focus on the Family. Uh, while we're talking practical things, and uh, you know, lots of the questions on the tour were about practical ways that they could just alleviate some of these challenging times financially and therefore alleviating some of the pressure on the relationship in the marriage. Uh, Kate, some of the other practical things that people were talking about, uh, any any other ones that you can identify? Identify? Um, it was interesting. We had quite a few um, people in their latter years as well um, at our events, and I found that very interesting because they were there to hear the next lot of tips, you know, as as you do about the finances. Um, and I thought, you know, we didn't, to be honest, in terms of super and things like that, we didn't understand it a lot. And so it wasn't until our 50s that we went, you know what, we really need to get to understand this. So um, it's so thrilling to see Alex talk to the young people as well that this is really necessary. Um, but also, you know, we're at the empty nest phase and I was looking at a lot of these empty nesters. Do we need two cars? You know, there's sim- simple things as that. Do we need two cars in this new phase of life? And there are ways of cutting back and talking about, all right, we, we live this certain way. Do we need the big family home still? Um, or can we, you know, shrink it down? Um, I know for us, we're looking at stuff that's in our home and going, we don't need that, we don't need that. That was all when we were filled with kids. Brett Ryan, uh, practical things, uh, driving your kids to school, uh, that's something that a lot of parents think that's what they need to do these days. Uh, What are your thoughts for some of these other practical things that might actually make your life a whole lot easier if you can adjust? Yeah, I think it's important to um, not be child-centric and the whole of your relationship is focusing on the child. Um, You need to invest in your relationship is vitally important. And so the... The the important for parents to be very practical and say, do I need to drive them everywhere? Are there other alternatives? Are there some carpooling opportunities? Um, can I can my child walk? Can my child ride their bike? You know, we can live in fear of the worst case scenarios, but we also have to allow our children to grow up, to actually take responsibility. And that's another topic for another day. But I think it's vitally important for parents to actually say, what do I need to do? What do I have to do? Or can my child do this themselves? And that is actually good stewardship of your parenting. And I think it's another aspect to that is, um, you know, our child is not going to suffer if they don't go to the swimming lesson, the violin lesson, the piano lesson, the uh, singing lesson, their arts and craft. And, and they, they, their life can be so busy. We have to allow our children to be children and not to be driven. And we don't have to live uh, vicariously through all their activities. And maybe actually have to say to your child, okay, if the one thing you would love to do, what is that? 
and then they may have to, and they have some autonomy. Oh, well, actually, I like doing this and I like doing that, but you know what I love doing is this. And they've got some say, and will it be okay? And get them included in the, the situation, not to burden them with the financial situations and to say how bad things mm. are, but actually saying, we need to just make some adjustments. What do you think you can do? And then we can actually make a decision together. I think, too, we want to build resilient children. We want to build resilient children. One of our sons wanted to go to a government school that was an hour and a half away. So that was his choice. So in doing so, he went on a bus, a train, and a tram, an hour and a half of travel each way. And that was his choice. And, you know, he never looked back. It was a brilliant decision for him. And then another son had to ride for 25 minutes to get to school because that was the school he chose. And so at letting them understand that there are consequences when you make decisions and then there's resilient lessons to learn along the way. Let's come back to the overall big picture on finances and we'll come to you, Alex Cook, because I know that debt was a part of the Marriage and Money Tour Questions revolved around debt because so many people have a mortgage and they have a car loan and then they've got a credit card that just seems to be, you know, perpetually there. Um, Dealing with debt, but let's take it a little bit deeper than sometimes where our conversation goes around what is good debt and bad debt. Uh, This is the sort of thing that uh, becomes very important, especially when your marriage is involved. Uh, Give us your insights here. Absolutely. So, like from a, an industry speaking, the finance industry likes to say there's good and bad debt. So, uh, good debt, they say, is debt that is tax deductible. So, for example, if you buy an investment property or build a shared portfolio, that's seen as good debt. And likewise, if you buy a house, because a house is an appreciating asset, and over time you expect it to rise in value, and therefore that's seen as good debt. And of course, it's the alternative is renting. So that debt is perceived as good. And then bad debt is things that are non-deductible, but also, and probably the most obvious one is credit card debt, which I think definitely is bad debt. Um, but from a, a biblical perspective, I'd say to people who think slightly different about it, don't think so much of good and bad, but rather think about it more as a, uh, a bit of a hot potato. And that is debt. The Bible gives us quite, few verses on this issue of debt, and most of them are warning messages. Now, debt is never sinful, but it is a wisdom issue. How much you take on is an issue of how wise am I being? And, you know, it comes back to before that spending plan. You know, how much are we going to devote towards a mortgage or to other, other things that involve debt? And so to me, I say to people, look, our society is obsessed with debt to a dangerous, uh, dangerous level, we should look at using debt sparingly. Uh, we should have a much more cautious approach to it, simply because we don't want to become enslaved to the world system. You know, the Bible says the rituals over the poor and the borrower becomes the slave of the lender. So we want to be wise. We want to be able to live generously. Uh, we want to be able to do things with our families. So we do not want to buy into this lie that we need to have you know, huge amounts of debt in order to get ahead. All right. Now, the majority of those dates for the Marriage and Money Tour are now complete. Some will be saying, you've wet our appetites. We've only just scratched the surface 
we want to go a whole lot deeper here. I'll come to uh, focus on the family first and then I'll come back to you, Alex, about things that people can connect to, to take them to the next level, uh, to answer the questions that they might have, to have some resources they can call on when they know that they're in some deep water. I know you have got, uh, Brett, a Real Love, Real Life online marriage conference coming up. Not all to do with uh, money in all of that, but uh, but give us your insights about what's coming up. It uh, starts on the 14th of March. It starts on the 14th of March, and you can do it in the privacy of your own home, and you don't have to go and share with anyone else other than being a catalyst for some ongoing conversations. Uh, we send a video link, uh, and we ideally say, set aside one day of the week, and we said, maybe Tuesday, but a lot of people say, well, I do small group on that day. I can't do that. My husband works. on, But at the end of the day, finding a time to dedicate one hour during the week to invest in your relationship, and it will be um, giving you some information that will help you, will give you a download book, um, some questions, some couple time thoughts. And over five weeks, we have heard so many positive reports of people who were saying, wow, we didn't know that this was available and it's really helped our relationship. And we were being drifted apart, but we're being drawn together. And if we can be of any assistance to you, the Real Life Real Love online marriage conference starts on the 14th of uh, March. They can go to our website at families.org.au. But if you want to go to another level, later on in the year, we're actually hosting some marriage retreats. Um, we're, in fact, we've got one in Sydney coming up um, at the in April, but we're also on oh no, our end of March, sorry. And then later on in the year, we're going to do some uh, a retreat called Journey to Us. And so if we can be of any service to you, it's now is a time to invest not only in your managing your finances, but investing in your relationship. Now, just to sow a little seed here, if you want to one of your marriage retreats, and they might be in Victoria, but uh, we've got listeners in Western Australia, could you plan a holiday and incorporate a marriage retreat as part of your holiday if you're visiting Victoria? Would that work for people? Oh, absolutely. Um, we, we find that the marriage retreats are such a source of life. Uh, that's the feedback we've had. Couples that have been there in total crisis. This is what their last, what they would say, their Hail Mary um, to either stay together or break up. And we've seen couples walk away just on a whole other page ready to work together. Yeah. And it's it's exciting. We've had numerous people come from Queensland, far yes, north Queensland, uh, Tasmania, a uh, couple from South Australia and New South Wales. We haven't had anyone come from Western Australia, but we'd love to have we you would. along. You can or plan a holiday if you and be a part of it. Hey, can I come to Alex Cook? Time is running out, but uh, Alex for people wanting to take this to the next level, learning about money, uh, what's coming up on your radar for the year ahead uh, with Wealth With Purpose mm. and, and people with finance? Yeah, look, a number of things. Uh, the first one that I'd point people to is if they really want to start just chipping away and learning little bits and pieces about money, uh, we've got a lot of online courses that they can jump onto. Uh, and they're very low cost designed just so people can get started, get great tools, get great tips. So, for example, just a really simple one, our Financial Freedom Express course, which is 34 modules of five minutes each. So you've got five minutes, then you've got a task. So put five minutes a day into it. Uh, 10 minutes if you, you'd actually go and do the task as well. And that kind of thing will really get you started on the track. But throughout the year, we also run, run lots of live webinars. And that way we can sew into particular topics, you know, whether it's retirement planning or insurance, 
lots of things throughout the year that people can access. So the main way to get to, to that, though, is just jump on wealthwithpurpose.com and sign up to our newsletter, and then you'll get uh, sent reminders throughout the year and get access to all of these things as they happen. Well, it has been an absolute privilege uh, talking through marriage and money. And some listeners will be aware that we started the whole marriage and money tour with a live stream event. Now, for listeners, now it's pretty solid. 90 solid minutes of really uh, quick fire uh, contact around marriage and money and you can simply this is the way you can find that live stream event uh, you can simply google marriage and money vision uh, and go it'll take you straight to the video of the live stream event there's also some podcasts of our conversations introducing what was coming with the marriage and money tour and there'll be a podcast for this conversation a little later on this afternoon uh, lots of ways that you can either use these resources afresh for yourself or recommend them to someone you know who's going through some stress at this time when marriage and money are certainly a focus those two websites for connecting with Brett and Kate Ryan at Focus on the Family, families.org.au and to connect with Alex Cook, wealthwithpurpose.com. So families.org.au, wealthwithpurpose.com. So to Brett and Kate Ryan, thank you so much for participating in this little sort of debrief today. And to Alex Cook, thank you for your insights and uh, appreciate you always. My pleasure, Neil. Great to be with you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.